Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, mindset and media strategist, speaker, and author on gratitude. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this unapologetically authentic and soul-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, and fulfillment. I'm so excited you're here. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. I am beyond excited about today's guest. I've been looking forward to releasing this for a few weeks now. It's not every day that I get to come on here and say, hey y'all, I'm excited to bring to you one of my most beloved mentors. And then to realize that he's probably one of yours as well. I mean, if you're in the personal development space at all, and unless you've been living on another planet, you probably own many of the Chicken Soup for the Soul titles. You've probably read them and held them to your heart just like I have many, 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 many times. And these books were like friends. They were healers. They were hope dealers. They connected us to humanity. I mean, such a beautiful legacy in Chicken Soup for the Soul, not to mention Jack has written or co-authored over 150 different books with 66 that have gone on to become bestsellers. And the Chicken Soup for the Soul series is the best-selling book anthology of all time, only behind the Bible. Did you know that at one point, there were seven chicken titles on the New York Times bestseller list simultaneously? That is a record that still remains unmatched and will probably never be broken in our lifetime. I mean, it's a phenomenon. And, and to get a glimpse inside this man's mindset and heart is just, it's, it's rarefied. It's so cool. But I didn't go into the chicken conversation or even really success principles because as I was researching and prepping extensively for this opportunity to sit down with him in his private residence in Hope Ranch, California, I came across so many podcast interviews, so many articles and, and other interviews online, and that's all out there. And it's important and it's unparalleled, but it's out there. And I thought, well, what perspective could I come in from that would make this really fresh to you, my listeners? So I did. I had a, a list of questions, but as we were setting up in his home office that, by the way, was just lined with thousands of books, many I knew, many were probably way beyond me or way over my head, I was just just so in the moment with him. And as, as we had our setup with Patty Aubrey, who's the president of Jack Canfield Companies, and by the way, who will be a guest on this podcast, and she's been with Jack for 30 years, at one point was the longtime president of Chicken Soup for the Soul Enterprises. And by the way, a New York Times bestselling author of, I think, over 15 titles. I mean, it's incredible. And then Jocelyn Kuhn, who is my dear friend, and Patty and Jocelyn are now collaborating on some really cool things that I will share more with you as we go. And I'll release that episode coming up. But as they were setting it up, and by the way, they are the ladies who made it happen. So I want to give a massive shout out and gratitude to them for hooking me up in the most divine way. But as I'm sitting next to Jack side by side, and of course, I've got a fancy podcast team. I mean, that's me, <laughs> me, myself, and I. So there was Patty's computer, her laptop set up on a swivel chair 
three feet from Jack and I, and we recorded this on a Zoom video conference call. So that was the best way that we knew how to do it. (laughs) And so the audio is not the most optimal, but who cares? The content is rich and it is unique and candid. And I think you guys are going to really appreciate it. And then I had my own laptop on my lap. But as I was beginning to dive into the conversation, I realized even with my, what I thought would be fresh approach questions, if I had to continue to look down to my laptop and grab a question, and you know I like to keep it fluid anyway, and then go back to him, I could miss gold that he was no doubt going to be dropping, right? And this man doesn't need anyone to facilitate an interview with him. I mean, he can hold court on any stage in the world. He's one of the most world-renowned speakers ever. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to let it rip. I'm not going to go back to these questions. I am fully prepared. I want to be in the moment. So I decided to close up my computer and just exist in the present with Jack. And that's where I think we really found some gold. So I didn't go into the chicken soup story. I didn't go into success principles stories. Those are all epic and they're important. And I'll give you a recap in a moment on Jack's official bio. But what I wanted to do was just catch up with him where he is now, what he's learned, the self-awareness. What does meditation mean to him now? Because anyone who's been following him knows that that is a principle for him first and foremost. Turns out (laughs) the story remains consistent, which you're going to love what he shares about it and how he's taking even that to the next level, which might surprise some of y'all. And I'm excited about some things that we might do together in November that I got invited to during this conversation. And then really unpacking how he defines purpose and how we might find our purpose, especially for those who feel unclear or just sort of, you know, it's just like way out there. It's a difficult concept. He really breaks it down to where it's super simple. And it really gives you some guideposts as to how you can begin to look for alignment and how you're probably living your purpose now and may not even be aware of it. So this conversation is just filled with wisdom and a mindset and a heart from a man who knows better, right? You don't have 40 years of expertise at the level that he has in personal growth and achievement without being able to drop some utter gold. So with that said, I want to though give a proper intro. He is an award-winning speaker and an internationally recognized leader in personal development and peak performance strategies. He's been teaching entrepreneurs, educators, corporate leaders, and people from all walks of life how to create the life they desire for over four decades. He is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Success Principles, and co-author of the billion-dollar brand, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Did you guys know that that book was rejected by, as story has it, 144 publishers? Did you also know that their agent fired them, he and Mark Victor Hansen, the co-author of the original stories, and just said, you know, that's it. This is madness. I can't continue to get all these rejections. And then they went on to frame that letter of being fired and, and placed it on their office walls, which I just love that story. But their persistence and the crystal clear vision and their consistency and perseverance is all part of what makes Jack Jack. He's unlike any other. He's a soulful legend. And he is a man who does need no introduction. But I wanted to give him that because I would be remiss if I didn't. And he's honestly a beloved mentor of mine. This conversation will never be lost on me. I'm remembering right now in this moment what it felt like to sit next to him and what it felt like to drive away, having that feeling of pure gratitude and elation. So without further ado, I'm sure he's one of yours as well, but please meet my beloved mentor, 
Jack Canfield. So excited to have you here. Can't even express my unlimited gratitude, but thank you for taking the time to meet with me in your home. My pleasure. It's awesome to finally get to connect with you again because I showed you the photo of us from 12 years ago when we got to meet at Agape. So we were both just at this biohacking conference just a week ago. How was that for you? Well, I was only there for a dinner with Dave Asprey and a bunch of other people, but the people I met that night, some of the most amazing people, uh, Walter O'Brien, fifth highest IQ ever recorded in the history of the world, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. Dave Ferrazzi, who wrote Never Eat Alone, is a really wonderful being. Randy Alexander, who runs Arrhythmia, which is a great new personal development center. Have you been down there? No, but I'm taking, I've I've done ayahuasca before. You have? Yes. No way. But I did it in the rainforest uh, in Ecuador. Really? With a woman named uh, Lynn Twist. She takes people down there. So I did it there. And then I'm taking a group of people in November. Wait a second. Okay, can I go? Probably. Do you still have vacancies? More than likely. Holy smokes, you do ayahuasca. So, okay, I want to talk about this because I know that you follow Esther Hicks. I do. Connected with her. You guys Mm -hmm. did The Secret together. I love her work too. And someone just asked her at this event that I was at a couple weeks ago, what is the difference between what she's expressing of how we can get in alignment with who we truly are versus doing something that's facilitated Mm -hmm. like ayahuasca? Now, her perspective was you don't need it. But what is your perspective and why do you do it? Well, I think you can get to those levels of consciousness without plant medicine, you know, through meditation and deep retreats and so forth. But the plant medicine, ayahuasca being one of them, is something that accelerates that process and basically blows past all the resistances that the conscious egoistic mind would normally have. So for me, it was a great deal of wisdom. Mm. Uh, The second time I did it, I've only done it twice was I experienced pure bliss. I I thought I knew what bliss was. But as the journey started, I heard this voice say, like the voice of God at the conference that goes, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) take your seats. We will start in one minute. This voice said, you are about to experience what very few people on earth will ever experience. And then there was this like, like the big bang, like this explosion of white, gold, purple, magenta. And then it was like pure silence. And there was no me and there was no it. There mm. was no there was simply awareness of bliss. I mean, there was just there was nothing other than it was interesting because the shaman who was leading the journey said, You have to promise me you'll come back. And I thought, What? And he said, No, you've got to promise me, look at me in the eye, say, I will come back. Then you look at your wife's eye and you say, I will come back. Because when I was then out there, I went, Well, why would anyone come back? It was absolute pure bliss with a kind of a quality of love and acceptance mm-hmm. there was no resistance to anything it was just pure oneness and so that has affected me in the sense that you know both of those journeys that there's nothing to fear there is no death it's we're all one it's mm-hmm. all about love you know we still have to live our life and do our journey and fulfill our purpose and all that but i just hold it all a lot lighter than i ever did before and i've talked to so many people who were either on those journeys with me or or have gone to with me or places that they came back almost like you hear these near-death experiences where people come back and they just say i realize it's all about love the journey never ends like abraham talks about you never get it wrong because you never get it done totally you know and so basically i live in a state of joy almost all the time just yesterday i went downtown downtown santa barbara barbara and I bought some things at Nordstrom, some, a couple of shirts, whatever. Went over <laughs> to the California Pizza Kitchen. They have a salad. 
came all the way home and realized I'd left the bag at the California Pizza Kitchen. And I just went, oh, got to go back and get it. And it was just like, no big deal. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, gosh darn it, you know, I'm going to lose a half hour of my life. That doesn't happen anymore. I love this connection, though, about experiencing mm-hmm. the bliss and the oneness mm-hmm. from the ayahuasca experience and that you just weaved it into how actionable and how you were able to have that implement, you yeah. know, into your life on a daily. But how long ago was that? Which? The second one. Two years. Okay, because you're a big meditator. You've been talking about this for over yeah, 40 I years, am. right? In fact, I asked my Facebook community, what do you want to ask Jack Canfield? Like, if you had a moment with him, I have a couple of those questions. Yeah. But one of those was a woman named Sarah, and she said, listen, he's changed my life completely. He, he turned me on to meditation, and I want to know how he utilizes it now, and how is the impact different? This almost answers that. This is like meditation to a whole different level, but through the access of this plant-based medicine. Right. What's incredible. Well, I think my meditations since then have been more clear. The biggest challenge I have is is setting the alarm and having to stop, you know, because it's like I could meditate for long, long periods of time. That was not true when I first started. You know, I used to get very antsy. I could be doing other things. Why am I doing this? <laughs> I remember I did a 10-day meditation retreat mm. probably in my 30s. Wow. It was over New Year's. So I'm thinking, God, everyone's out having fun. I'm sitting here <laughs> falling asleep. But, you know, like having a memory of every relationship I ever had and, you know, just thinking about a million things. But about five days into it, it just went into total peace. Mm-hmm. And the last night, this is what's so cool. The last night, I fell asleep. I had dreams, but I never lost consciousness. I could hear myself snoring. I could hear people walking down the hall, which was a dormitory kind of experience, going to the bathroom. I could watch the dream start and then there'd be space. they just observe it. And then another dream would start. By the third or fourth dream, I was directing the dream. I was literally surfing over purple clouds, you know, Whoa. and just going, changing colors of things and so forth. And I realized we really do have the capacity to create anything, both internally and externally, as long as we're conscious. And so now my meditations, I don't meditate as long as I used to because I have a lot of things to do, but I would like to. But I set my alarm for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, sometimes on a weekend for an hour. If I forget to set my alarm, I just have the clock there. I think it's been 30 minutes. Oh, my God, it's been 90 minutes. But I'm not saying every meditation is absolutely blissful. Sometimes it's just thoughts going by about what I need to do, things Mm -hmm. I didn't do, people I need to call, whatever. But in general, it's, you know, people often ask me, if you could take all of your 67 success principles which you teach, what's the most valuable one? I always answer first. I say, well, if you could only keep one organ in your body, which one would you keep? Well, the answer is you'd die if you only had your heart or your lungs or your right. brain. So you need a system of at least 12 or 15 of these, these principles. But meditation, one of the top three. Amazing. Yeah. Because, yeah. because see, when you meditate and you develop your intuition, wisdom keeps coming to you. You mm-hmm. make better decisions. You solve problems. You're de-stressed. You don't take things personally. Now, again, it doesn't happen overnight. They call it a practice. You practice meditation. But that practice eventually has benefits. You yeah. know, people that meditate for years, their brain waves are different. They sleep better and they need less time because they're getting deeper rest. And so what are the other two if, if you had this ideal system of just three? I would say being really clear about your purpose. Mm. A lot of people have goals, but as Stephen Covey said, you, you end up reaching the ladder, top of the ladder, but it's leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> and so if, you're, if your goals are based on your ego rather than your higher purpose, which is, we can all become aware of that, mm-hmm. then what happens is 
first of all, the universe cooperates more because it is, it's what it wants you to do. Yes. As Michael Beckwith said, the evolution of consciousness is occurring through you as you. Oh, I love Reverend Michael Beckwith. Yeah, me too. Mm, that's friend. how we met. Yeah, he was right. my mentor for 18 years. Was he really? I ran several ministries over to God for years. Oh, far out. Yeah, far out. I love that. Okay, so what's the third one? And I want to come back to purpose if we can. But I want to get the third one. Well, I'm actually going to give you two more. Okay, good. One is, a one bonus. Is, one is having a mastermind group or a accountability yes. partner. You have to have people that you can brainstorm with that can become a support group for each yeah. other. And I really recommend that you have like five or six people in your mastermind that come from different walks of life, yes. different perspectives, different levels of success, mm -hmm. so that you have access to just not the one way of looking. Like you talked about being at the biohacking conference. I mean, you can't leave that conference after three days as you were there and not just have a whole new perspective of a whole bunch of stuff right. that normally you don't think about. That's right. You know? And so if you have people that are in holistic health, if you have people that are successful in media and industry, if you have people that are coming from you know, spiritual or whatever, you're getting... It's like a diamond that has many facets. Yeah. On it. We're only one facet on the diamond. So it's valuable to have all of that different that. perspective. And the last thing I would say is action. You've got to take action. Mm -hmm. Most people sit around waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> I or preparing, say, preparing, preparing. Getting ready. You know, right. Someone just said the other day, I was interviewing, I was doing what you're doing. Mm. Uh, did 13 interviews in one day. Oh, in, my gosh. In Hollywood. And this one guy said, you know, he said, I got my calling 30 years ago. Hmm. I said, that's great. He said, but I didn't act on it until <laughs> last year. <laughs> what he learned was you never know enough to start. Just start. You'll learn more by doing than you'll ever learn by getting ready. And I thought that was really quite profound. I love it. Yeah. And your whole ready, fire, aim, it just completely changed my life. In the past less than a year, mm -hmm. I've been a rocket ship of a whole different mindset. So I want to thank you for opening up my mind and my and my heart to just go for it. You'll readjust by just taking action. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Nobody's looking for that. They're looking for real. Especially today. Even in my own work right now, I am making a major shift. I wouldn't call them podcasts, but I've been dripping out three to seven minute videos for the last, I don't know, five years. And they're usually either scripted or I have like real major dot points I want to go through. And what I'm doing, even as I'm looking at my own and comparing them to others in the new world right now, <laughs> it, it, it just spontaneity, authenticity, realness, everything doesn't have to be perfect. Because that's like a big deal, right? Because you can't hide behind a live video. And that's what I love about it. This is a real talk. It's not like an interview. It's a conversation. Right. And that's what people want in 2019. And so this live concept of not hiding behind a perfectly produced anything, when you let it rip like that, it connects us, I think, more for what we're starving for right now, which is a, a genuine connection versus like a perfectly produced something. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Look at what's happening in Washington. Right. Yeah. What do they call him? The commander in tweet? <laughs> hey, take it or leave it, you know. But again, even that, like going back to that whole bliss thing, and we are truly all one as a liberal living in Santa Monica, California. I just choose not to judge any of it. It's like I just want to be more in a supportive energy. Right. Love to get your take on that. It's like because the once I divide even on that, like let's say I'm not in agreement, then I'm dividing on myself and what I truly believe we all are anyway. Well, the, the reality is, you know, it's, it's an old metaphor, but if you take a, those beach balls that are white, yellow, green, and mm -hmm. red, and if you're putting it between us, I see the yellow and the red part, you're seeing the white and the blue, and we're describing what we see. Right. And I'm saying, no, it's red and yellow, and you're saying, no, it's green and blue, you know. And the reality is, it's all of that. 
You can't see all of that because I can only see what I'm looking at toward you. I'm seeing what's behind you. You're seeing what's behind me. So we need to listen to everybody's experience. People need to be heard. And there's been a huge section of our nation, the world, our culture that's been invisible. It's not been heard, you know, whether it's inner city blacks or whether it's people in the Rust Belt, you know, whatever. They're all people that feel like, you know, somehow they're not getting where they want to go. The system seems to be rigged against them, which in some ways it is. And the reality is that we need to listen to each other rather than yell at each other, which is what's going on these days. So I don't judge anybody, even some of the people that are easily judgeable. I realize that they have their own reasons, their own wounds, their own experiences, their own desires, their own karma to play out, their own lessons to learn and you know a big thing that just happened for me recently mm. was that i i did a session with a shaman recently it wasn't medicine based it was just a couple hours of being together and mm. what happened was he took me into a past life where i there was a woman being kind of dragged through a like a market like in morocco or something yes against like someone, someone's yes against okay. her will mm-hmm. and and i didn't know whether to intervene or not in this past life. Mm. And and I'm a big kind of save people person. You know, mm. I want to help everybody. I want the world to work for everybody. And I taught in inner city schools. I worked for civil rights, all that. Yeah. And what I learned in that session was it might possibly be some lesson that he needs to learn or she needs to learn. She needs to learn to stand up to him. Yeah. You know, and then what I really got was that I think I've lived some of my life by what I would call prescriptions. When this happens, I should do this. Mm-hmm. But it's a thought. It's it's coming from my intellect. It's coming from a set of rules. Rather than being present in the moment to my own inner guidance and say, yes, I do need to go and rescue her, or no, there's something going on there. I don't know why, but I'm not supposed to intervene. Some other higher purpose is going mm-hmm. on. I don't know what it is. And just to be able to hold back and not feel like I have to intervene in every situation and save every person on the planet, but allow things to play out as they are and then know when it's my right time to step in and do How something. do you know, though? What's the distinction? I can feel an inner urging to either mm-hmm. be neutral, hold back, or to move forward. And How does someone refine that inner knowing? I think through the things we've been talking about, through yeah. meditation, through counseling, through therapy, through getting in touch with your true essential self yes. so that when you are in that moment, you're mindful, you know, you're in touch with all aspects of your being simultaneously, your spiritual guidance, your intellectual mm. understanding, your emotional response and your physical response. And when all that's lined up, you know, I mean, I have thrown myself not in front of a car to be hurt and save someone else, but just instantly pulled someone back. I didn't have to think about that, mm. you know, and there are other times, I remember just in my pool, there was a fly or something that landed on the surface in my kind of Buddhist nature. I said, oh, I'll help, because it was fluttering, it didn't get out. It was a bee. Mm. And so I tried to scoop it up. But in the time I tried to scoop it up, this spider came down from the little overhang of the pool and started putting his web around it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I was late. And then I thought, well, no. The spider, this is part of reality. The spider yeah. needs food as well as I do. Mm-hmm. And this just happened to be its dinner today, you know. And I realize sometimes that we try to intervene. There's a there's a wonderful story about a guy who picks up a turtle in the desert, takes it back to the, the creek, thinking it lost its way. And then suddenly the turtle got out of the creek and started walking through the desert again. And he realized, oh, I guess that wasn't helping at all. I just cost him about 500 yards of, of progress. Yeah. 
So it's like just being able to be and allow sometimes rather than try to think we have to step in and fix everything. I love that. It's and brought a huge amount of freedom to my life. It sounds like it, right? Because if you're always wearing the Superman cape, right. you know, it's hard to take care of yourself. Right. right. And then what you're, you know, who you're caring about the most right now. Right. I want to circle back to purpose because a lot of people that listen to my podcast and a lot of people in the self-development world sometimes struggle with how do I find my purpose? Do you experience that quite yes. a bit, those conversations? Yes. Yes. So where are you now, especially with your two journeys into ayahuasca and I'm going to join you in November, you watch and become friends. I've had to explain, okay, if, if, if you guys could just do A, B, and C, you might get more clarity and access to what is pulling you because I think people think they need to create instead of just waking up to. Does that make sense? Yes, I think that the word discover means to take the cover off of, to mm -hmm. discover something. So I believe we have an inborn purpose that we're meant to do. You do. I do. And it can be simple for some people. It's raise healthy children. Yeah, know? which is a big thing. Exactly. It doesn't mean you have to go, you know, save the rainforest or, you know, build a school in Africa. If that's what you're drawn to do, go do that. But the main thing is to be in touch with your joy. You know, I, I'm mm. a big believer. I know Abraham and Esther Hicks teach this. Joy is your feedback system. A lot of people say if you feel a sense of expansion as you move towards something, then you're online, you're on purpose. It's a GPS system built in. Love that. If you're feeling contracted, like let's say I give you two options and you close your eyes and you think of one, you go, you think of this. Your body is telling you something. Your intuition is speaking to mm. you through your body. So basically, wow. you know, the universe, someone once asked me, I was in Texas, and I said, to him, you got to see this chiropractor, he's amazing. I said, well, I need a chiropractor. I have one in, at home. He said, no, he's more than that. So I went to see him. He said to me, do you have a purpose of being here? What, what is your purpose of seeing me? I said, I don't know. My friend just said I should see you. He said, well, if you did have some goal that's not happening, what would it be? I said, well, I've had this goal to make $8 million in one year. It's never happened. I think it's my staff. They're, they don't hold the consciousness. <laughs> he said, let me muscle test you. $1 million, $2 million, $3 million, $4 million, $5 million a week. You know, oh. So he said, no, it's you. So, <laughs> so, was it a limiting belief it was around a limit. you couldn't get past X? Yeah, it was a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Limiting beliefs and was all in my physicality. You know. Everybody ended up with like 8 million, 10 million, 100 million, all the only money in the world. No one else gets anything. I care at all. You know, I was happy with it. So anyway, <laughs> but at the end of it, he said, do you know what the purpose of life is? I said, I don't know. But when I think about what I know about the universe, the universe from the Big Bang has always been expanding. Mm. So I think the purpose of life is to expand our consciousness. He said, you're right. Oh, and that's beautiful. when you feel something is expanding you, you feel expanded, you feel excited, you feel joy. Like if someone said, you want to go have lunch with John Gray, I go, yeah, I love John Gray. I love John Gray. If someone said, you want to go have lunch with someone else, I might say no. Right. I just get a, this kind of a feeling. Yep. So basically, I think there's two ways to discover your, well, there's many ways to discover your purpose, but the main way is follow your joy. Do a joy review. Go mm. back into your life and say, when were you happiest? When did you experience the most joy? Well, for me, it was when I was always teaching. I used to teach kids when I was in school. I was always kind of a leader, teaching, leading. In the Boy Scouts, I was the Boy Scout leader. In, the, in, the, in college, I was the, you know, the fraternity leader. I taught high school. I taught teachers. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I became like the big T, you know. Mm -hmm. and, but every time I was happy, I was either learning something or taking what I'd learned and teaching. Okay. And so my purpose is to inspire and empower people to live their highest vision mm -hmm. in the context of love and joy. Mm -hmm. And when I'm doing that, I'm happy. When I get involved in big real estate things and all that kind of stuff, 
I don't mind it. It helps me make money, but I'm not, it's not my joyful place, you yeah. know? So I have other people to do that for me now. I have financial planners and all that that work with me. But the other thing you can do to get in touch with your purpose is to close your eyes, go through a visualization process where you climb a mountain, go into a temple, ask a wise being or an angel to come down and give you a gift of a symbol, mm -hmm. some physical object that represents your purpose. Mm -hmm. And when I did that the first time, I got a huge heart. And then when I did it the second time, I got a frog holding a heart. And the frog said, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with it. So that's why I said in, in the a context joy. of love and joy, yeah. you know, for me. Mm -hmm. and I think all of my best friends are irreverent. They're very spiritual, but they're irreverent. They don't take Beckwith, themselves too seriously, right? Michael Beckwith is, oh, I know. is one of the most irreverent people I know which is why I love him, but he's also him. very deep and spiritual. So yeah. we can have fun at the same time. Mm -hmm. So for other people, their purpose might be to write children's books. Mm -hmm. For another person, it's to help end poverty. For someone else, it's to help create a sustainable planet, you know, ecologically. But the main thing is there is a purpose in there. And when you get in touch with it and you align your goals with it, then you get fulfillment, you get more ease, you get less resistance from mm -hmm. the universe. Not that there's never resistance, because sometimes you need that to develop qualities like courage and perseverance and strength and, and building relationships and enrolling people and so forth. But the main thing is to get in touch with what that is and then cooperate with it rather than resist it. But you want to spend 30 years like that person I mentioned the other day. He was running a cleaning service when what he really wanted to be doing was teaching spiritual principles. Mm. So, so now he is. Now he is. He's yeah. just written a book called The New Commandments. That's really cool. <clears throat> What's the book that you recommend the most these days that aren't your own? Wow. If you look around this office. I mean, there's like, you guys. thousand books. Yeah, and know? I know so many of them. It's so exciting. Wow. Yeah. I've been rereading David He's Hawkins. He's like good friends. Ah, oh, you have. You know, Power and Force. And he wrote another book called uh, on Success. I can't remember the night. You know what it is. Like, You Deserve Success. Mm -hmm. Something like that. And the idea is success is from the inside out. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's about becoming a person of high integrity, of yes. joy, of service. And when you become mm -hmm. a person of service, like one of my friends, Raymond Aaron, I'm writing a book with him called The Power of Wow, how oh, important God. it is to wow your clients. Yes. And um, he uh, tells a story about how he's walking down this street and he sees this beautiful oak table. And he's been looking for an oak table, the perfect table for his dining room. And over oh, the store, by the way, it said um, souvenirs or something like mm -hmm. that. Tchotchke kind of things. You know. So he goes to the store and he says, um, how much would you sell that oak table for? And the guy says, I'm not selling that oak table. We don't sell oak tables. We sell souvenirs. Can't you see the sign? I'm sick of people coming here asking me where I get the table. How much does the table cost? I'm not selling tables. <laughs> and Raymond said, oh, my God, he's selling these souvenirs and he makes a dollar or two on. He would have paid $2,000 for this oak table. If I had a business where 20 people in a week came in and asked about the oak table, I'd be sourcing oak tables from somewhere and making thousands of dollars profit <laughs> instead of $2 profit. But it's like the guy was not in a state of service. He wasn't right. coming from what are people asking me for? What do people need? Ah, yes. It's only his own, here's what I'm doing kind yep. of thing, you know? And so when you're a restaurant and if people say, you know, why don't you serve butter? Because you only serve oil, but you get that 20 times a night, you start serving butter. That's right. You know? And so basically, the reality is a lot of people are like that. And you see a lot of restaurants, a lot of businesses, a lot of business because people are not coming from service. Anyway, David Hawkins' books I've been reading. I was rereading, uh, what's his name, Darren Hardy's book, 
uh, on, the, I forget the exact title, but it's, it's about the idea that when we do 5% more of something mm -hmm. consistently mm -hmm. over time, it gets up going like Compounds. That. Compounds, right. yeah. I think it's called The Compound mm -hmm. Effect. It is, yeah. yes. That book always gets to me. Mm -hmm. And the one thing is another book, again, I forgot who, but it might have been Keller from Keller Williams, I think it was, about if you could do one thing that would change everything, what would it be? Mm. And so for me, when I read that book not too long ago, I went, I need a personal assistant. I had one, but she's kind of become the whole office manager and, and, and now logistics manager because two of my staff got married and got pregnant and moved to other places where they still work for me virtually, but they're not here. Yes. They can't do like getting things Go ready. pick up your bag from CPK. Not so much that even, <laughs> but, but, but for who my used to be my assistant, putting together the manuals in a box to ship to a training. Mm -hmm. You know, so now I need someone that can do what you just said. But she's been digitizing all my files. Oh, um, cool. And going through all my unsubscribes and getting them out of my emails. I mean, it's like... Awesome. It's changed so much. And a few years, if I'd read that 10 years ago, I would be a higher sales team. Because when Chicken Soup was happening, we were just delivering. We couldn't deliver fast right. enough. But when that arc, as they all do, began to go mm -hmm. down, sales go down, and eventually we sold the company... We needed to have salespeople. So now we have like four salespeople mm -hmm. and, you know, we'll sometimes sell $40,000 worth of trainings a day. Wow. And that's different than not having salespeople. <laughs> Very remarkable. It's yeah. incredible. What would you say has an incident or experience in life that has given you the most self-awareness? Wow. I would say the greatest self-awareness came from that 10-day meditation retreat I mm. told you about, from that ayahuasca journey. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'd say starting my own business. I often mm -hmm. tell people the fast track to spiritual growth is get married, have a child, and start a business. And if you do those three things, everything that isn't clear about you is going to come roaring back at you in a mirror-like fashion because so your mate is going to tell you the things that aren't working. <laughs> your children are definitely going to push all your buttons. And then your business is going to have all kinds of stuff come up that you have to deal with that if you don't deal with it consciously and with awareness, it's going to cost you. Yeah. And so I think to run a business, you have to get really good at responding quickly to a lot of moving parts. I remember, just think about this, my model, my mentor, my guru, the person I wanted the most be like when I was growing up was the guy that ran the printing shop in Amherst, Massachusetts when wow. I was a graduate student. Because wow. I used to take printing in there for our, I had a little miniature growth center. And I would take the brochures in there. And while we were meeting, he would have 10 different people come up to him and say, the printer just broke on line two. Uh, this customer's not happy with the job. They need this by three, not four. And he would just boom, boom, boom. It's like those videos you see of the martial arts master. <laughs> In slow motion. And seven people are coming at him, and he's just yes. flipping them over one at a time, like a ballet. And I went, <laughs> I went how does he do that? That's what I want to be able to do. I feel mm -hmm. like I've accomplished it. But I mean, even when I was in my early 20s, I was just like in awe of how centered he was. And he was running a huge business. Was, you know, I'll reflect something back to you. So Patty Aubrey, your longtime, you know, business partner and friend, we were chatting right before we came over here. And she was saying, Jack Canfield is just the most consistent soul. She's like, if I could have one-tenth of his consistency and ability to move through life and all that you've got going on, she said, in grace, mm. she said her life would be made. So I think you've arrived. <laughs> I think you've actually met your match in terms yes. of like that ideal model, yes. and it's important. Who is a model or mentor for you now, and why? 
Oh, that's a good question. I think people doing huge things, you know, like Mandela, like mm. Mother Teresa, like John F. Kennedy putting a man on the moon, people that are that are solving whole countrywide problems, you know, world leaders that really are, that have integrity, that want to do the right thing. I look at this guy, forget his first name now, but Buddha Judge, who's a mm. newly announced Democratic candidate for yeah. president. And I don't know about him as a president, but I know about him as a mayor. He's amazing. I mean, he's just so, he's running a whole city, which is not easy. He's totally clear. He understands who he is. He understands how to so pull both sides of the argument into one synthesized solution for both sides. People that are doing things at that level, mm -hmm. that's what inspires me. Oh, I love that. If one lives one's life consciously and makes a commitment to, because they understand the value of, personal growth, personal mm -hmm. development. You know, I think Ram Dass once said, the best thing you can do for him. your children is work on yourself, right? which makes total sense. Yes. And then you become more of a loving parent, a good model for what people should be and so forth. But I think that if you're focused on that the greatest goal is self-awareness and then taking that awareness and expressing it into the world, yes. then anything you're doing, anytime you're not loving, yep. centered, calm, clear, that's an area that says you need to work on that's it. That's right. And, you know, I have a friend, Pamela mm. Bruner, and I wrote a book with Pamela. It's called Tapping into Ultimate Success. Mm. And so she's an EFT tapping expert. Yes. And we looked at if we were to take every principle that I teach and look at what comes up as resistance, what would be the tapping protocol to move through that? Because most people don't want to take 100% responsibility. It feels like a, a burden. It's you another know? success principle, well, right? Yeah, exactly. So what do, mm -hmm. what, how do, what do we tap on for that? Well, the, the limiting beliefs, the fears, mm -hmm. and so forth. And when I met her, she was a harpist, and she had kind of backwoods look. She lived in North Carolina. She was you know, kind of a hippie-ish looking mm -hmm. artist type. Mm -hmm. And since then, she now makes millions of dollars a year. She was making like 30000 a year. She makes millions. She's got $100,000 a year coaching clients. She taps on everything that comes up during the day. If she got mad at someone, if she got mm. irritated, if she got upset, if she got scared, if she got whatever, before she goes to bed that night, she will tap that till it's gone. She now is one wow. of the clearest people I know. She changed her whole outer appearance to really match her inner power. Wow. And beauty. And mm. it's because she has a daily discipline. It's like the work of Byron Katie. If you do the work of Byron Katie every day, which I did for about a year, what happens is every little upset you begin to realize, oh, it's not the event. It's just my thoughts about it that yes. it shouldn't be that way. And then you get more and more into just being with what is. Mm. Now you can respond and change something that you think is wrong, like poverty or racism, but you're not angry about it. You're just coming from a place of, oh, I feel drawn to do something about that. And then you do it. You do it from a place of love and peace and more people are attracted to you as opposed to you see these protesters out there sometimes that are so angry that they just activate the other side. You get two sides throwing brickbats at each other. I don't know what a brickbat is really, but <laughs> bricks <Sounds and good>. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a phrase we all use. Yes. Um, no, I love Byron's work uh, or Katie's work, Katie's really. Um, yeah, and the four questions. I've been to many of her events, and it's changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I always say when I'm getting caught up in something, and I am in reaction, especially in business, as a solopreneur this past year. And it's like, when I believe that thought, how do I react? How do I behave when I believe that thought? Right. And what if I turn it around? It has been utterly life-changing. So I love that you brought her up. You bring her up on a lot of interviews. I've, I've seen this. I do. You know, there's very little that I teach that I created. 
Mm. Now, there are some things, That's a right? really humble thing to say. Well, it's true. I mean, I've taken 600 workshops in however many years, 50 years since I started my time to 74 now. Mm. So the reality is what I think my brilliance has been is to aggregate things yes. and then put them in the right order to use them so it becomes a system. Because Byron Katie alone is enough to be happy, but not necessarily to be super successful yes. if you don't know about setting goals and visualizing. And, you know, the law of attraction work is great, but it but doesn't necessarily solve your relationship problems right. at home with your children. Yes. So I was always looking at what is enough? How much do you need to know? And if you knew this much, you could do anything you wanted to do. That's what I attempted to do in my book, The Success Principles. You did it very well. Was to provide that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have friends that live by it. It's their Bible, and that's the great teacher in you. Two more final questions. Sure. We love to talk to you all. Can you have two final questions? Can well, no, just here. How about two more questions? Okay. <laughs> As we wrap up. You're funny. Okay. Rituals and routines. You talk a lot about meditation. Yes. What are some other rituals and routines that you have that keep you optimized to get after it 74 years young? Well, I'll start with something I do called the hour of power in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I meditate for 20 minutes, exercise for 20 minutes read something inspirational, uplifting, or related to your work. Mm -hmm. You know, not a novel mm -hmm. or anything. So, so it's an You still hour. do that. It's amazing. I still do. Wow. I, I, but I usually end up doing all of those a little longer than 20 minutes, unless I'm really in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And I will say, sometimes if I have to get up at 4.30 to catch a 6.30 plane to Santa Barbara to get to the East Coast, I may not have meditated. I may not have exercised. But, but normally I do. So that's the morning thing. I also start the day with a blender drink that has the usual suspects of kale and spinach and, mm. and goji berries and almond butter. Uh, what else do I put in there? Sometimes almond milk, sometimes not. Just yeah. water, blueberries, a couple of powders that I've been convinced I should have in there, and then protein powder. It used to be whey, now it's pea protein. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everything shifts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I take about 41 vitamins, minerals, and things, herbs, and oil. Wow. So when I pack, I pack like little bottles of all the combinations one day that I throw them in there. And even the other thing I do is every hour I get up and move my body yep. for a few minutes. Otherwise, I get because I do a lot of typing. Mm -hmm. Patty just gave me this device <laughs> which I love because I when I get into the groove, I forget to drink water. It's a little device called ULLA. If you want to get one, you can go online and get one. And every thirty minutes, it it starts flashing a little light. It's got a little rubber band you put on the bottle. And then it tells you to drink, and it won't stop flashing until you pick up the bottle. Oh, that is the coolest thing. Patty's an angel. And so I've been using that the last few days since she gave it to me, and I'm drinking a lot more water. <laughs> Good. So I know I'm going to the restroom a lot more That's often. That's okay. So then the other ritual at night is to do something I call the evening review. So whatever mm -hmm. you're working on, let's say you're working on being more courageous, more aggressive, more assertive, more thankful, more grateful, mm -hmm. whatever. Then what you do is you close your eyes, and you say to your higher self, Show me today where I could have been more appreciative. Show me today where I could have been more assertive. Show mm -hmm. me today where I could have asked more for what I want. And invariably, images come up. You know, when I was in the bank, I was impatient I with the teller. You know, I was behind that car and I honked the horn, you know, whatever. What you do is you visualize the same event, how you would have liked to have responded had you been more patient, more appreciative, more calm, whatever. What that does, that puts a blueprint in the subconscious mind. The next time you find yourself in that situation, you're more likely to do it the way you're intending to do it. That's beautiful. Your conscious self rather than your reactive self. Oh, I love that. Those yeah. are going to be some good new mindset must that yeah. most of my community will follow. And the last thing I do, and, and I sometimes do it in the morning, I sometimes do it at night, but I do it every day, is to visualize 
all my goals as complete. So I have a mm-hmm. set of like, you know, 11 affirmations right now that I'm working with. And then I'll close my eyes after I say it and I'll visualize that. Like one of the goals I have right now is to have 1 million trainers teaching the success principles of work by the year 2030. We just set that goal a few years ago. We already have over 3,000 and 117 countries that have wow. been trained either live or online to do that. So I will say I'm so happy and grateful that I'm now celebrating having the millionth trainer, having been trained to teach this work. And then I will visualize what would life look like if there were a million people out there doing that work. I see regional conferences mm-hmm. where I'm speaking and bringing in people like you mm-hmm. and John Gray and others to speak, and mm-hmm. you can be the MC. Mm-hmm. and as you talked about. But the idea, I want to visualize that because that's telling my subconscious mind, create that and sending out a message to the universe through mm-hmm. law of attraction track to me the resources and the ideas to do that. And then you're already living in it as if it's already done and that's a totally different mindset. I love that. Right. So I love um, that phrase and so it is. And so it is and so be it. Yeah. Amen. That's a Reverend Michael. That's I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, one final question for this conversation. <laughs> so I designed this podcast to help everyone listening foster a deeper sense of fulfillment. I just figure people can experience more fulfillment. Life is going to be better. It's going to have a ripple effect and really make the impact that I want to make in the world. But yet everyone has a completely different definition of fulfillment. And I would be curious to hear what yours is. Good question. Because I used to define success as being able to create whatever result you want. But I define success as fulfilling your soul's purpose. That's why I think it's so important to be touch that purpose. Yes. But fulfillment for me is a feeling tone Mm -hmm. that I get when I've done something that is in alignment with that purpose Mm -hmm. that I can point to like when I get a book in the mail that I just wrote and comes off the press and I'm holding them in my hand mm. when I've finished the seminar and people are coming up saying you changed my life uh, or I get a an email that says you know because of you I made a million dollars this year or because of you I got out of a bad relationship or because of you I started an orphanage in Africa where we're saving mm. you know 100 kids from poverty that fulfills me so knowing I've made a difference is one thing and sometimes just spending quality time with people I love, my mm-hmm. wife, my staff, you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I feel fulfilled and content right now because mm-hmm. I'm doing what I love to do. Yes. So I guess it's called when I'm doing what I love to do, playing my guitars over there, mm-hmm. or having completed a, a hike in the woods, mm-hmm. you know, or sitting there. Like I'm leaving for Hawaii in about 21 days mm-hmm. for a month. But I will feel fulfilled sitting on the beach with her, reading mm-hmm. a book together. I feel fulfilled when I'm just finished running a workshop with Patty. I feel fulfilled when I'm sitting here working on, I'm actually getting real close to finishing this workbook called the Success Principles Workbook. Awesome. It's been going on for over a year and a half. And I'm just doing final editing on the last three chapters. And even when I'm doing it, I'm enjoying myself. Because mm-hmm. it's something I love to do. Sounds like you are living a life of fulfillment pretty regularly. Pretty much. Yeah. But it, it's all of this coming together, right? Your rituals, your routines, who you surround yourself by, your mastermind, feeling like you're living on purpose, making a difference, you know, answering the calling, taking action. I mean, just weaving back in our entire conversation and allowing mm-hmm. yourself to be opened up to more expansiveness with things like ayahuasca. And I'm very excited about this for us in November. And because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, you know, I had an entire list of questions and yeah, I did like hours of research and I love that I just within five minutes just closed it up and I was like, you know what? Let's just flow. And so for me, this has been so deeply fulfilling. Thank you. And I just can't even thank you enough. I am so honored by your time and you've absolutely made a huge difference in my life. And I have 
tens of thousands of listeners who cannot wait for this to come out because of the impact you've made on theirs. Cool. So on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for an incredible time in your office, in your home, and getting to have this moment together. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.